Welcome, Christ Journey Church, mm. Gables Campus, Kindle Campus to the south. We love you and we are praying for you. Everyone joining us right now at Church Online, thank you for joining us. We love you and are grateful for you as well. I want to, who went to student camp 2019? If you went to student camp this year, let me hear you yell, Tribe! Mm, so good. I, I want to thank all of the uh, leaders, all of the parents for trusting us with your babies, um, all of those at Kindle, all of the leaders and parents out there. What an honor. What an honor. I got the privilege of serving as the camp speaker this year, and I got a front row seat to watching Jesus work in, in our midst and lives being changed uh, right in front of our eyes. It was just absolutely incredible. If, if you were on the fence about going and chose not to go, either as a student or as a leader or maybe as a parent, you felt a little nervous sending your kid, then I just want you to know this is a trustworthy church and, uh, and I hope next year that all of us get an opportunity to go together. And so we, we love you and what an amazing week this past week. We're at the movies this month, at the movies, and this whole series is designed to help you understand and think about how the visual stories of our culture intersect with our faith. And so whether or not you've seen these movies at all or whether or not you've seen them a hundred times, I want to encourage you this time to go back and watch these films and to ask yourself this question, how does the good news of Jesus intersect with the popular stories of our culture? Because it's in that intersection that gives you a voice to our culture for how you may share your faith. One of my favorite theologians, a man named Frederick Buechner, wrote of faith saying this, whatever your faith may be or my faith may be, it seems to me inseparable from the story of what has happened to us. That story being Jesus, of what Jesus has done for us and to us. And that is why I believe that no literary form is better adapted to the subject than the form of fiction. And I totally agree. Great stories, fiction and nonfiction alike, they help us find new and right language to identify and understand ourselves and understand our faith and help us share our faith with our world and within this culture. Think about it like this. Have you ever read a great book or have seen a great film and afterward you left and you thought, oh man, I could totally see myself in that character. Totally see myself in that person. And then even perhaps then, to take it a step further, you actually found some insight for your life and how you, maybe a particular circumstance, or maybe there's an issue that you're wrestling through and you, you found insight in projecting yourself onto the character. Stories help us do that. They help us connect to the deeper under, undercurrents of our human experience. The author of the great fiction classic, some of you have read this book, maybe seen the movie, A River Runs Through It. Great, great story. Norman MacLean once wrote, the nearest anyone can come to finding himself at any given age is to find a story that somehow tells him about himself or herself. Stories speak the language of our hearts that our minds don't 
readily comprehend, and Jesus knew this. That's why he spoke in parables. He, he told stories as a means to elevate above sea level, above the mere objectivity of our life, into faith level that sees above that. Stories bring to life the intangible. They make sense of those things that we can't see or hear or touch. Stories don't tell different truths about us. Stories tell truth louder. They bring to life the virtues of our faith, grace, mercy, forgiveness. Stories bear witness to our experience of Christ alive in us here and now in this place. The psalmist even wrote, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Notice how the psalmist didn't write, let the redeemed of the Lord prove the existence of God by giving the most sound argument possible within their particular place. You know, there's a time for that. There is a time for that. And that truth matters for our faith, and it matters a lot for some. But I think the psalmist wanted us to know, wanted the church to know that your story speaks louder. Your story about Jesus speaks louder. Much later, the Apostle John wrote that fellow believers will triumph over the evil one by the blood of the lamb, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and the word of their testimony. You want to triumph over evil. Hold on to Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross in one hand and then share your story in the other. A testimony is the redeemed of the Lord telling your Jesus story. Your life before Jesus, what happened when your life made contact with Jesus and then afterward, your life with Jesus telling your story and speaking God's truth all bear witness to Christ's salvation alive in us, redeeming us, cleansing us from the inside out We need to keep telling our Jesus story, friends, and make forgiveness, and make mercy, and make grace real in our world by any means necessary, including linking up with some of the great visual stories of our culture. And one of the greatest stories ever told is this one here. Check it out. Life's not fair. Is it, my little friend? While some are born to feast, others spend their lives in the dark. Begging for scraps. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance While others search for what they can take, a true king searches for what he can give. Run away, Simba. And never return. Take your place in the circle of life. Any Lion King fans out there? Any Lion King fans out of Kindle? 
At the time of its initial release, The Lion King was the highest grossing film in 1994 and the second highest grossing film of all time. Currently, it's the highest grossing animated film of all time and the highest grossing video of all time. Any wonder why Disney wanted to remake this film? Uh, any, any wonder why? The Lion King tells the story of Simba, which means lion in Swahili. I learned that in researching this film who's being groomed to secede his father, Mufasa, as the king of the Pride Lands. And we wanted to give you a little taste of the Pride Lands today, so we cranked up the AC, you know, we planned for it to break down so that we could, we could all feel like we're in the Serengeti right now. Just, Kendall, we hope you're a lot cooler than us over here at the Gables campus. But Simba was preparing to take over as king, that is until his uncle Scar, Mufasa's brother, jealous for the throne, schemed a murder plot to kill Mufasa and usurp Simba as king. This is one of the oldest stories ever told. Brother against brother, power against power, Jacob and Esau, Cain and Abel. I mean, this is one of the oldest stories known to mankind. Scar's plot began by luring Simba into a deep ravine, staging a wildebeest stampede, which would force Mufasa to make a decision. Save Simba or save himself. And interestingly, and I saw this as I was going through this movie, I, I highly encourage you to go back and watch this film. Interestingly enough, and I, I'd never heard, I'd never, I, I hadn't seen this before. Scar convinces Simba to stay in that ravine. Simba wanted to leave the ravine and go to his father. But Scar convinced him to stay in that ravine by whispering a shame moment from his past, making him vulnerable to Scar and placing Scar in a power differential over Simba. In this story, Scar personifies evil. And the evil one against God practices the very same tactic with each and every single one of us, whispering lies to us, deceiving us against our Heavenly Father, and shaming us from our pasts. In the midst of the stampede, Mufasa did exactly what Scar schemed. Mufasa rescued Simba. And on his way out of the ravine, Scar took Mufasa and threw him back into the stampede, thus killing Mufasa. And here's what happened next. Take a look. That's the definition of shame. You want an easy definition of shame to remember? Run away and never return. That's it. Shame wants us to flee. 
build walls, live isolated from each other and even from ourselves and never return to find help and healing. In fact, shame tells us you don't need help. You can do this on your own. Or shame might say you don't deserve help. Your past defines you now. Eventually, shame always leads us to hopelessness, despair, and even death. Perhaps not death for our own bodies, but certainly death of our hearts, death of our dreams, death of our hope. In fact, as Paul wrote in his letter to the Ephesian church, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the, the devil, the commander of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. All of us did. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else, everybody, everywhere, from all time. Let me ask you this question. We talked about this last week at student camp. Let me ask you this question. How much power does the air hold over you? Students, how much power does the air hold over you? None. 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 The answer is nothing. The, the, the devil is the commander of nothing. That, that's what Paul wants us to know from this passage. The devil has no power over you, except whatever power that you choose to give. Some of us give the, power way, or give the devil way more power than he deserves. But please don't miss this. The devil has no power over you. He's not a god. He's a fallen, created being. His only offensive weapon in our lives you give the devil power whenever you fall for his deceptions. Unlike God, the devil doesn't know your heart. The devil doesn't dwell in you. Nor does the devil possess any power over you. He simply wants you to turn from God back to yourself, make yourself the God of your own life, cut yourself off from the true source of life itself, and follow him into death. That's the devil's only strategy. And the sooner you understand and get to know this strategy, the sooner you can begin an offensive strategy to defeat that. That's the devil's only way. For those, and he works in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God and chose to live like the God of their own life, apart from the one true God who created all of us in his image. It calls us all very good, apart from the God who fearfully and wonderfully made you. Simba's, Simba fell for Scar's deception, fled from his home. And as a result, he chose to live the Hakuna Matata life. Check it out. Kid, what's eating you? Nothing. He's at the top of the food chain. <laughs> the food chain! <laughs> So, where you from? Who cares? I can't go back. Ah, you're an outcast. That's great. So are we. What'd you do, kid? Something terrible, but I don't want to talk about it. Good. We don't want to hear about it. Come on, Timon. Anything we can do? Not unless you can change the past. You know, kid, in times like this, my buddy Timon here says you gotta put your behind in your past. No, no, uh, no. I mean... Amateur, lie down before you hurt yourself. It's, you gotta put your past behind you. Look, kid, bad things happen, and you can't do anything about it, right? Right. Wrong! When the world turns its back on you, you turn your back on the world. Well, that's not what I was taught. Then maybe you need a new lesson. Repeat after me. <coughs> Hakuna Matata. 
What? Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. What a fun song, right? Did, did you hear what Timon said? He said, when the world turns its back on you, you turn your back on the world. And Simba said, but that's not what I was taught. Because Simba knew the truth about himself and the truth about how our world functions. And, you know, at the risk of, at the risk of losing favor with some of you, I, I totally, knowing what I'm about to say, at the risk of losing favor with some of you here, especially our Disney fans who love this song, Hakuna Matata, in actuality, Hakuna Matata, this song, this whole, go back and listen to it. This whole song is a shame response. The whole thing. In fact, Pumbaa, the warthog, sings about how his own shame drove him away from the other animals in the jungle into an isolated lifestyle with Timon, the mirror cat. Hakuna Matata. No worries, right? No. Hakuna Matata means no worries by ignoring your real life by ignoring your real concerns and your reality. Jesus said, don't worry or feel anxious because God holds your life and promises his peace. Yes, don't worry about that because God has you in his hands. But Hakuna Matata means no worries by ignoring the real truth. And Simba allowed the evil one, the commander of the power of nothing, his uncle Scar, to whisper shame and keep him isolated from his true identity and calling as the king of the pride lands. And instead, Simba fell for the lie, left his responsibility back home, and instead chose a boy's dream, eating and drinking and living a merry lifestyle without a care in the world, living entirely for himself. That's a boy's dream. But when confronted by his childhood friend Nala, who said, we've needed you at home, Simba. You're the king. The true king, not Scar. The Pride Lands need their true king. Scar has decimated the Pride Lands. Simba responded by this saying, and this is a direct quote from Simba, but I'm not the king. Akuna Matata, why worry? Friends, how often do we say the same thing? But I'm not in charge. Akuna Matata, whatever happens, happens. But it's not my problem. Akuna Matata, man. But she's not my kid, so whatever happens to her happens. He's not my kid. He's a friend of my kids, but whatever. Hakuna Matata. Hey, he's the one who needs to apologize, not me. So I'm going to wait for him to give me his forgiveness first before I say anything to him. Hakuna Matata, why worry about that? Hey, what's in the past is in the past, and I don't need to deal with it anymore because maybe I moved, because maybe I changed jobs, because maybe X, Y, Z, Hakuna Matata. Who cares? Friends, it's kind of crazy how an animated movie about a lion can so closely resemble our lives. This is our life. Listen, no matter how hard and how far that we want to run, the truth is always this close. Always. Always this close. And for some of us here today, we need to stop trying to flee from our own hearts because no matter how far we run, it's right here. 
Some of us need to stop giving the devil so much power by falling for his lies day in and day out and believing the shame. Ultimately, the devil holds no power over you for he's the commander of the power of nothing. Nothing. Rather, as the proverb says, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. Today, I want to challenge all of you and me to see your reflection. Remember whose you are. See your real heart, your true calling, and your necessary responsibility. Take a look into the water and ask yourself, am I avoiding crucial conversations with my spouse? Am I ignoring my kids? Am I avoiding friendships that need repaired? Am I neglecting my work and doing the least amount possible just to get by? What am I doing? See a reflection and own it. Own whatever's in the water. And let the, whatever emotions rise up for you, feel them. Feel them all the way through. Talk about it with some people. Get into a small group and share some life together. Talk about them all the way through so that you can resolve them and then truly lead them in your past as you look forward to your redeemed future. Simba took a risk, and he looked into the water, and this is what he saw. Take a look. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No! Look hard. You see, he lives in you. Simba. Simba looked into the reflection and he saw the image of his father. For those of you who dare to look into the water, your image reflects God's image. God made you in his image. And at the precise moment when you place your trust in Jesus, God promised to give you his Holy Spirit as a guarantee of your salvation. God signed his name on the dotted line for you, friends. God crossed the boundaries of heaven and earth to find you. God went all the way to the cross for you in the person of Jesus Christ to buy you back from your sin and your death. God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved to the world. Don't go on living Hakuna Matata. Instead, live free in Christ beginning right here and right now into your new reality. Learn from your past. Don't run from it. Let your failures and your shortcomings be the very guideposts of redemption along the way as Simba did. Take a look at this. What was that? <laughs> the weather. <laughs> Very peculiar. Don't you think? Yeah. Looks like the winds are changing. Ah, uh, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it, 
or learn from it. Ah! You see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm gonna take your stick. No, 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 no! Not your stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back! Good! Go on! Get out of here! <laughs> Don't you love that dude? Don't you love Rafiki? Everyone needs a Rafiki in their life, right? And then I love how Rafiki, throughout this entire film, Rafiki never shames Simba for anything in his past. He just keeps encouraging him to do the next right thing, to take the next right step. Simba made, in this moment, the wise decision. He left his childish boyhood ways in the past, and he chose the harder path of manhood, receiving the true calling placed upon him as the king. And when Simba returns to Pride Rock, one of my favorite moments in the movie, and this is a, it's such a short moment, you can easily miss this if you're not, if you're not listening carefully. When Simba, re, when Simba returned back after he, like in the next scene, he goes back to Pride Rock, and Scar and Sarambi, his mother, are there, and Simba walks up, and do you remember what they said? They didn't say, oh, hey, welcome back, Simba. They saw his father in him, and both said, Mufasa, Mufasa's returned. Because as he lived into his true calling and identity as Simba the son, he reflected the true image of his creator, Mufasa, the real king. When Simba returns, now fully alive in the truth, he confronts Scar, his enemy and deceiver, looks at him in the eye and says, everything you ever told me is a lie, Scar. And that's the truth about God's enemy and ours. Everything the enemy says is a lie, including the shame whispers, including the Hakuna Matata motto, including your own belief that you don't deserve a full and satisfied life. Your one true king, Jesus Christ, once said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Richness meaning full and pleasant and strong. Jesus didn't promise monetary riches. He promised something eternally greater. He, he promised a life filled with the Holy Spirit, Bearing the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Your sin and shame keep you from experiencing the very rich and satisfying life that Jesus promised you. Your sin and shame keeps you from experiencing, from experiencing the, the fruits of the Spirit coming alive in you. And yet, even then, when we choose our own ways, guess what? Those, those truths are still just as true for you. They don't ever go away from, they don't ever go away. Even when we go off in our own direction and we want to make ourselves the king of our own life, that doesn't make those truths any less real for you. And at the moment that you decide to come home, at the moment that you decide to receive God's forgiveness upon you and receive Jesus, those truths belong to you. Today, are you choosing to believe the lies about your shame and live isolated? Or... Are you choosing to place your trust in the promises of your one true king who loved you all the way to the cross, who loved you by taking the penalty of your sin away from you and onto himself, who loved you by dying your death? Like Simba, you have a choice. All of us have a choice. And Simba made the harder choice. He returned home. He reclaimed his identity. And he climbed up the steps of Pride Rock and brought his people together. Take a look. 
his time. Man, I love this scene. Simba roars and the Pride Lands come back to life. Simba roars and all of the animals in the Pride Lands, they come and they feel safe in his goodness and strength. I see this scene and I can't help but to think about Revelation 5.5. When John calls Jesus a lion, roaring on our behalf. When Jesus speaks, our hearts come alive. When Jesus speaks, he brings the whole tribe together. When Jesus speaks, the church comes alive. And miracles happen. Amen? Mm. Christ the King has spoken. Long live the King. And as his followers, we live in his kingdom. You are God's chosen people. Long before God ever created this world, God chose you in his Son for himself. What an astonishing truth. In fact, the Apostle Peter wrote, you are you are chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession, us, you, the church. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Our God is a good king. Our God is a strong king. Our God is a living king here and now in this city. Amen and amen. I want to leave you with two thoughts today. The first one is this. Get honest with yourself. Get honest with yourself. You know what you need to do. I don't need to tell you what you need to do. You know what you need to do. You know what you've been running from. You know what you've been doing to deceive yourself. You know what you've been doing to numb the emotions, whatever. Stop falling for the enemy's lies about you. Stop falling for the shame. Today, let me challenge you to make the harder choice this week and believe truly that the devil holds no power over you. But instead, you've been created by a good God, by a good king who loves you and has made a way back home for you. Second, choose your one true king. All of us fall short and follow the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. All of us do. All, I do. All, every, everybody does. So don't feel ashamed about it. Don't feel ashamed when you fall short. Instead, do the next right Thing by following James's advice, the brother of Jesus who said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that healing is possible for you. It's not a wishful thought. Healing is, is here now for you. Can you imagine what, what might happen if God actually healed you from the pain that you carry every day? Some of you have been carrying around these aches and these wounds for years and they just kind of they just, they're just with you. And maybe they're not acute, but they're just these aches that are with you. Well, can you imagine what your life might look like if you lived free from all of that? Take a risk today 
in the direction of God. And then let's watch how our true Lion King, our true King, knits us together as one church and gives us a great calling as a, as a people, as a body to move forth into our city, bearing witness and shedding light in the dark places, helping others find their rest and their hope in the safe arms of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you for conquering evil. We thank you that you didn't tolerate it and you didn't let it stick around, but instead you conquered it and you made a way back home for us in your goodness, in your strength, in your honest truth over us. Father, we receive that today. May your spirit be with us. May your spirit come alive in us, leading us, convicting us, giving us courage and passion to take our steps in you, no matter what our job, no matter what our, our vocation, no matter where we live. Help us bear the fruits of your spirit made alive in us as we surrender every day to you. Now for some of you in here today, you want today to begin a new day for you. You need a new day. And perhaps for the first time today, you want to call Jesus Christ your king. And if so, then would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, for far too long, I've been living as my own king. And today I'm turning from my own way and I'm coming back to you, my true king, who can give me life and life abundant, who can give me grace and mercy, who could take those difficult places in my life and make them whole again. Make me free. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation. My life is yours now, and I place my life in your hands. If you prayed this prayer with me today and you want today to begin a new day, you want to call God your true king, then would you simply raise your hand wherever I can see you? Thank you. Kindle Campus, we have pastors there waiting for you. Church Online, you can click the orange banner below. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you to the people on the front. Thank you to the people on the side over here. Thank you, man. To my friends over here on my right, thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, for every hand raised today, I pray that you give them your Holy Spirit of courage and truth today. You have guaranteed their salvation by giving them your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, make their hearts come alive today and give them the strength to live every day in you. And as a church, may you continue knitting us together into one tribe with one calling, one body, one purpose. And may you give us the confidence to lead a life worthy of our calling. In your name we make this prayer. Amen.